Hello, and welcome to Artfully Told, where we share true stories about meaningful encounters with art. I think artists help people have different perspectives on every aspect of life. All I can do is put my part out into the world. It doesn't have to be perfect the first time. It doesn't have to be perfect ever, really. I mean, as long as you, you're enjoying doing it and you're trying your best, that can be good enough. Art is something that you can experience with your senses and that you just experience as, as so beautiful. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Artfully Told. I'm your host, Lindsay, and I am so excited to have as my guest today, Kristen Beal, she is an author and illustrator, and she has incredible stories to share, and I just am so excited to dive in. Thank you so much for being here, Kristen. I am so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. <laughs> of course. And I would love if you would just share a little bit maybe about your background, kind of what got you into what you do now and all that fun stuff, if you don't mind. Yeah, definitely. So I have quite a story. When I was 14 years old in 2005, I was in a jet ski accident. It was the summer before my sophomore year of high school. So I was about to turn 15 years old. The accident was tragic, life-changing, all those things that killed the driver of my jet ski. And it paralyzed me from the mid-torso down. I had a traumatic brain injury and a spinal cord injury. Doctors told my parents, your daughter is never going to live or, you know, if she does, she's not going to breathe or talk or swallow or all that stuff. And then I did. I'm talking, breathing, swallowing. So they then they said she's going to be a vegetable, first of all, because I had a traumatic brain injury. And then if she's not, she's going to, I'm not going to have, I had a traumatic brain injury on the left side, so I'm not going to have the ability to use my right side is what they said. And they said, I'm never going to feel or move below my injury level again. So that's a lot to load onto my poor parents, but they did. And I have overcome all those things. I am not a vegetable, et cetera, and I'm still working. And I started, I started on my journey to recovery in going to California, traveling the world, getting stem cells, et cetera, to regain feeling and movement in my lower body to walk and feel again and prove the doctors wrong on that. So I got out of the hospital in December of 2004. Five, and then I came back, and then I went to California for, you know, a month. Worked out five out four hours a day, five days a week, just out of control. Came back, started my sophomore year of high school, and I was looking for a easy class to take. And I heard that the teacher of creative writing was kind of a slacker, and also you can't really, you know, fail a creative writing class. So I took a creative writing class. I realized, I kind of, this is where I can start to kind of discover my creativity. I discovered that I love to write. I'm pretty good at it. I have a lot of things going on that are new experiences that I can write about and to accompany. And so I took creative writing class and I took an art class, two classes that you can't really, you know, do badly in because it's all subjective. So creative writing, I realized that I love to write. In art class, I realized that I love to draw. And, you know, they were both, I used them both as kind of outlets to discovering this new world of disability and all these new things going on in my life. And it was kind of like a venting, but it was a relaxing because, you know, all the craziness of my new paralyzed world, but I'm, you know, just in my drawings and I'm just expressing myself that way. And I'm, you know, expressing myself and my frustrations in a way that I don't in my normal life because I'm like a super sweet girl. And, you know, it's a, it was kind of an outlet for me. So I started to make drawings when I was 15 years old, surrounding my disability. I kind of defined my character. I drew, I drew my, like my main character is a girl in a wheelchair, which is me. And I'm just going through 
you know, situations in life, which I really go through. And I actually, for the first three years of me kind of discovering how to draw or that I like to draw, I did a comic every day. I did a three block comic every day, just like things that happen, usually, you know, mundane, just boring things that happened. I did it every single day for the whole entire year. And then on Christmas, I just gave my mom, you know, the year's worth of drawings because I didn't really care because I didn't really want them anymore. And she wanted them and it's an easy Christmas present. And it's just like, you know, a year of a day in the life of me. And that's when I kind of really started to get into it. So <laughs> published my first book, Greater Things, in 2017. And that was a book that's about like the weekend before my accident where we see, we meet this boy I have a really big crush on. And the next weekend he actually hits me in the jet ski. And it's kind of the weekend before my accident all the way up to 2014. So I'm traveling the world. I'm working out. I'm getting stem cell surgery. I'm trying all these adaptive sports. I'm graduating high school and college, doing all these things. Published a book in 2014 in March. And in February, the month before it came out, I quit my job. Because I, you know, I'm not interested in mortgage banking. I was looking for an excuse to get out of it. I published a book. So I said, please, God, make me successful in this enough to, like, eat and sustain my life. So the book was a great success. And three months after my book came out, I said, all right, I quit my job. I either need to write another book or I need to get a job. So I decided I'll write another book. So I started. So what I did is I said, what do I do a lot of that I know a lot about that I can write a book about? And my answer was go on first dates. So I was very, <laughs> very, very single at the time. So I, you know, updated my profile in Bumble was my app of choice. Updated my profile picture. I went on 32 dates in two and a half months. And that looks like <gasps> a lunch, a, no, it's crazy. A lunch date, a dinner date, you know, four different boys a week, kind of like at the end of it, of course, as you can imagine, I've kind of lost my desire for, you know, a successful relationship. And I'm just kind of chasing the story because these boys were that I went on dates with were like way too rude. Everyone can relate to a bad first date, but throw disability into it and dating gets a little bit more difficult. So what I was doing is I was going on these dates. I was enduring these, you know, makes me sound like such a warrior, but like I was enduring these rude comments, the like the bad jokes, like the offensive jokes and just mainly just rude comments, gross mm. people um, or gross dates, I guess, in my experience. And I was going home and I was making a comic of them, changing their name, like that getting home from the date that night, changing their name, making comic of it and moving on. It was my way of coping, I guess, but it was also documenting these dates and trying to add a humorous angle on this very relatable situation. So at the end of it, when I reached 32, I said, I can't do this anymore. Like I've had enough. I need to stop. <laughs> I think I finally have enough. So I published a comic book called Date Me and, and it had all, all my first dates in there and also had comics around being single, being in a wheelchair, like, you know, people make or jokes they make or things people say, or just like kind of adding a funny angle on a kind of crummy situation. And I published Date Me in 2018 and you know I started drawing in 2015 it's been a very fun book to publish because I'm you know it's a subject that is a lot of dating is a subject it's a lot of fun but and it was also fun because these guys who I went on dates with some of them like five or six of them like hey Kristen what have you been doing I'm like actually I published a book and you're in it I changed your name and some of them bought it some of them didn't and never talked to me again and all of them didn't talk to me again but it's <laughs> I was completely honest. So if you don't want to like, 
be published in a book, just don't be mean to me. That, that's just great life advice in general. Just if you don't want to end up in someone's book, just be nice. Be yeah, easy. exactly. Easy. Yeah. I told him I was an author. What did they expect? Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh my gosh. Well, first of all, you are such an overcomer and I just love your story. Thank you for sharing that. And gosh, I I feel like you probably glossed over how challenging all of those. I mean, you had so much to overcome, but like kudos to you for just never giving up, never accepting the doctor's word for it, that you couldn't do something just because they said so. Good for you. Thank you. I gave you yeah. the, the quick and easy for the full version. You can read greater things, but. Perfect. I love it. Well, and with Date Me, I just, first of all, that sounds like such a great premise. I can't wait to read the book, but do you have like, what is the funniest story that you encounter that kind of stands out? to you oh my gosh so funny depends on your definition of funny and once i became into the more callous zone like the ruder they get or the more ridiculous it is the funnier it is because i'm just like whatever i'm thinking in my head whatever i'm gonna publish you in a comic book when i get home or like when i'm gonna make a comic of this later so things like one of the most relatable to wheelchair users comic that i have is I guess you would call them jokes. The jokes people make, like, you know, do you have a license to drive that thing? Or like, slow down, you're breaking the speed limit. But oh, stupid brother. things like that. Like, <laughs> you, we need backup backup blinker so we can know when you're backing up. Or like, blinkers to know which way you're turning. Just like all the vehicle jokes around my wheelchair. Is, yeah. It's like, exhausting. But for whatever reason, like, people love to make it. It's not offensive to me because whatever, I don't care. I'll make a comic of you. So it's fine. But I can... But I can take that comic because in one of the comics I put, I know there's six block comics, so I have five five of those jokes, five or six of those jokes, all put together in one big comic, and I can show that to a wheelchair user, and they can just, I mean, laugh in agreement because everyone's heard them because everyone makes them. I don't know why people make them. It's just like it's not offensive, but it's just dumb. It's just bad humor. No offense right. to you listeners who make those jokes, but. <laughs> It's just not. Well, no, they they should probably hear that too, right? Like, you know, things that are funny to you are probably just like ridiculous to the people you're telling them to. So maybe just stop. (laughs) Maybe just stop. (laughs) To sum up. (laughs) Oh, man. Okay. Well, yeah, that makes complete sense. So now that you've done that and you've gone on from there, it sounds like you're still on a journey to continue to be you know, writing more books and maybe doing other things too. I got kind of a hint to that before we started recording. Yeah. So being an entrepreneur, working from like saying I'm not going to get a job and working for myself is a constant, you know, at all hours of the the day, I guess, not struggle, but a constant job because I have to, you know, keep, keep the money coming in and keep doing things, keep doing projects. But that being said, it is so much fun and I love it and I love my work so much and I like don't mind if I have to, you know, write for a little bit past five o'clock. I don't I don't mind the work at all. So what I'm doing, two things. The Date Me comic book of all those dates, last June I was approached by Saltfire Studio and their local production company and they told me that they wanted to turn Date Me into a TV show. And before I lost my mind, because I had I had done this before, because I had two people, two producers come to me and say they want to make greater things a video. So I get very, very excited, and then it falls through, and then I'm very, very disappointed, you know, as it goes. So yeah. when Tyler Darden, the, the owner and producer of Soulfire Studio, 
he told me that he wanted to make Damien into a TV show. I'm like, yeah, okay, like, let's talk when, when you get serious. So about a year later, Tyler comes to me and he says, all right, I'm ready to make it into a show. And in about a month of, you know, my dream coming true, we cast a girl to play Kristen from the other side of the country. She's from California. We cast my best friend, Katie, my dad for the first episode, my dad and four dates four different men in the first episode I go on seven dates and so much fun we recorded it we put out the pilot episode it's on YouTube if you search date me we're also on Instagram as date me show and Facebook as date me series and we are raising money to make episode two and the rest of season one so you know we're on Patreon and stuff but it's so much fun and the videos out there so I want I'm excited to be able to share my experience and you know, my funny and bummer situations with everyone. So everyone go on YouTube and watch the first episode. So that's, that's my active latest project, but also my ongoing project. So ever since Date Me, the comic book came out, was published in 2018, I started a weekly comic Instagram page where it's just every week on Instagram, it's every Tuesday it comes out and it's just like something that happened during that week, something I thought about, just something funny that I wrote. It's, it is six block comics again, cause that's my style. And it's found on Instagram at greater things comics. So that's a really fun thing. So if nothing else, check that out and follow along. Cause I have a lot of fun with that. Cause it's, it's my ability to consistently put out art and consistently have a reason. I mean, there's no reason for me to be doing that, doing those weekly comics, except for it's fun for me because I'm not like making any money off of it. But it's it's fun to like have an audience and being able to share my art. And that's been one of the biggest blessings out of this ability to share and ability to have an audience. Yeah, that's amazing. And to help inspire other people because your story is so amazing and then you're able to also talk about the fact that art was such a big part of you know finding out what you wanted to do with Mm -hmm. your life which is so cool I mean I think it's just ironic and and entertaining how you know at first it was like well these are the two classes that will probably be kind of easier credits and then you end up falling in love with it like I love that wow that's fantastic congratulations that's such a big deal for this tv show and everything so this is so exciting oh my word uh yeah, congratulations. That's just Thank you. Life awesome. is life is so much fun. Life is so much fun. Oh. It's a little bit stressful when you're working for yourself and you're unemployed, but it's one of the best things that I have ever done cuz it's it's just so much fun cuz I'm doing what I love every day and you know, it's, and people people say that they're like, "Oh, I love my job." And I've always wondered, do they really love their job? Like, do they really look forward to going into work in the morning? And then I quit my job and started my own thing and I truly just love my job. <sighs> Yeah, absolutely. Well, and speaking of that, because that is such a big undertaking, is there any kind of advice you would give somebody who might be interested in doing that? Like they they want to take their side gig, their side passion and make it their full-time thing? I mean, how how do you make it work like on a practical day-to-day basis? So before you take the leap, figure out how much money you need and make sure that doing your side gig, that you have the ability to make money off it. Like for me, it's a little tight, but I have my books and book sales. And then I have some other, it's a right for Chris Reeve foundation every month, twice a month. So I have that income coming in. I just do a bunch of side gigs, which again is fun because it's, you know, side stuff like writing and I love to write and like drawing, which, you know, is not profitable yet, but one day. And so make sure that the money part is taken care of. And then 
if you're trying to turn a hobby into a job, be very mindful of of that because if once once I start dreading drawing or dreading writing or you know just doing it because I have to do it is when it turns into less of a fun thing and more of a responsibility and the the love for it is lost. So you have to closely manage your feelings closely so that you don't, you know, I used to love to draw, but then I quit my job. Like I choose to be my best friend and then I moved in with her. And then, so now we're enemies. That's like a, you know, common roommate thing. So it's kind of the same thing with art, like make sure that you still love it and that it's still fun for you because it's miserable if it's not. Yeah, no, that makes complete sense. I, I was thinking along the exact same lines when you were talking about the transition of something that you love to do on the side and making and how fun that can be. But then when you have to do it in order to make money. Yeah, I I really appreciated your advice on that. Make sure you have the money thing figured out so it doesn't become burdensome and frustrating all of a sudden, you know, instead of your joy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, cool. So I'm, I'm so curious. Is it really odd to watch someone else portray you in a TV show? <laughs> People ask me that all the time. And yes, it is always it is always odd. And it's because it's this, it's this girl who she's not in a wheelchair, but I taught her. I mean, I teach her how to be a wheelchair. It's not that hard. It's kind of like sit down and don't move your legs. It's a little more complicated than that. But she's using my old wheelchair. I taught her how to be in a wheelchair. I taught her how to do things like transfer. I taught her how to do wheelies. And it's it's odd when I'm behind the scenes directing it and you know she says something and then I can stop and say, hey, like say that a little less cheesy or like say that, you know, a little more excited or not. And just to be able to direct someone to be me which is very cool. And when you guys watch the episode, look for me in the background. I make a few cameos in there. Enough to learn that I love to be behind the scenes and I'm not an actress. <laughs> I'm not an actress. I had a couple of lines. I'm a wheelchair fencer too. So I had a couple of lines in the fencing gym to the girl who plays Kristen. And by a couple, I mean like, I think I had three lines and we had to shoot it five or six times because I kept forgetting you know three sentences three lines or i'm like i'm giggling in the right places or i'm like snorting or like it's just kind of like what are you but for what like i'm not nervous but i get in front of the camera and i like lose my sense of i'm a human being and so anyway i love to be behind the camera and i love to direct people to be me which is fun And I love to that get my so to get my passive aggressive revenge once again because these these guys who were rude to me or like gross or you know whatever they were I'm publishing in the comic book which is like exposing you and you know teaching you that lesson maybe but now I'm taking it one step further and I'm you know portraying them in a video so it's really like don't cross me <laughs> I'm just kidding but <laughs> but really <laughs> but seriously that's amazing oh my goodness. Okay, and I feel like, so you had a moment where I was like, wait, what? So, okay, you, you also fence? Oh, yeah. So the first episode is really fun because I, I'm a wheelchair fencer. I have national level competing wheelchair fencer. That's been really fun. Been doing that for about two years. It's kind of me who is a very soft and friendly and happy person people say oh you have an outlet you you have an outlet is your fencing and I'm like I don't I don't have anchor that I need to outlet so it's very like out of character to be a fencer but it's very very fun and it's one I've tried 
over 14 adaptive sports, and it's one of my favorites. My second favorite is hand cycling. I've done nine marathons. Very active. That's very fun. That's like the equivalent of running. It's like a bike with three wheels that I push with my arms. So I, when I do marathons, it's like the equivalent of running, and that's been awesome because before I was in my accident, I was a lacrosse player, field hockey player, and competition cheerleader. So I was very active, and so when I got in my accident, my biggest heartbreak was I can't do sports. Like I can't, you know, I don't have that outlet. I'm going to get, you know, I'm going to get fat and I'm just going to be sitting there. I'm not going to have any way to like exercise my body except for, you know, arm, arm exercise in the gym. But adaptive sports are so much, in my opinion, so much more fun than regular sports and hand cycling and fencing have been my two favorites. Wow. That's amazing. I love that. And honestly, I wasn't familiar with the term adaptive sports. So what all kinds of options are there out there? So I'll try to remember them all. I've done lacrosse, tennis, archery, rowing, hand cycling, fencing. What else? I've tried everything that is available to me except for basketball because I'm just really not naturally good at it at all, but I just not into basketball. Let me think what else. So there's an adaptive sports like team league, I guess, and I'm from Richmond. And they have, I think, 15 sports, 15 or 16 sports available to people who sign up. So that's how I'm getting all of them. And then I went through adaptive fencing through the VA hospital. They were just having a clinic. And then I got onto the, I'm not on the national team, but I compete with the people. I'm not good enough to be like Olympic on the national team, but I fence alongside, I'm friends with the people who are going to you know, Tokyo next year, or like one guy has been to two, two Olympics, and he's just like here fencing with me. And it's very cool. So all the opportunities and the places I get to travel for that, like I've been to the Olympic Training Center in Colorado Springs for two years in a row, I guess pre COVID, actually, right before the pandemic started, I was coming over from Colorado for a week of training, like five hours of fencing per day in this beautiful Colorado Springs. And it's, it's the best. That is so cool. And I love the opportunities that you've gotten to have because of it. And oh my goodness, the people you get to interact with, how awesome is that? Yeah, like being <laughs> being at the training center and you're surrounded by people from all different sports. I mean, able-bodied and disabled, we were actually the only wheelchair users there. But but just like being being like in the environment of you know, that level of, of, of athleticism, being around all these Olympians, just walking around eating next to you in the dining hall. It's, it's really, really cool. I don't know a stronger word for that, but it's really cool. Yeah. I was going to say, if it seems so surreal, just like, wait, is this my life? (laughs) Where am I again? Yeah. Do you think you'll ever write about your sports adventures? Like your fencing and things like that? Or is that just like part of other things, do you think? Definitely. And I have. So in Greater Things, my first book is where I was very new in my disability. So I was learning skiing was also a big one. I went to Colorado a couple years in a row to ski at the like Breckenridge. That was really fun. So that was my first adaptive sport. And in my first book, I think I try nine or 10 of them. And there's a chapter for each one, you know, skiing, for example, it looks very cool. And you're in this mono ski and I'm, you know, I have like little mini ski. I'm sitting down, of course, I have little mini skis on each hand and it looks very like, you know, awesome and fun. But then if you read my book, you see the perspective of like, I have snow in my nose. I don't like the cold. Like I keep falling. (laughs) So you see the very real experience of it. And it's unique, of course, because I'm you know, paralyzed. So not a lot of people can relate to that. But then you see the reality of like, oh, she's doing this, you know, totally unique thing, but she's also like, you know, 
kind of just like me because she has snow in her nose and she's only the cold and all that stuff. So that was my first book is I did all those sports and then I found my love for, for hand cycling at the end of that book. And so I did the New York marathon was my first, my first marathon. So I, I did that marathon. I fell in love with the sport, all that stuff. And then I published my third book, which is called A Million Sons. And there's a chapter where it's like of that clinic where I discover wheelchair fencing. And, and then later on in the book, you see, actually, I love wheelchair fencing. And so, so, but you're kind of going through all these new sports and experiencing that for the first time with me. And then you realize, you know, I found the two things that I love, hand cycling and fencing. I love that. Oh, perfect. Oh, I can't wait to read those books. <laughs> Obviously, I would like to to continue to follow your journey, and I'm sure some of our listeners would too. Is there a way for us to connect with you, or where can we, you know, support you and follow you and everything? Awesome. So, like I said, well, okay, like I said, Greater Things Comics on Instagram. We have Date Me Show on Instagram. And I'm also Kristen Beal on Instagram. Lots of Instagram here. And then my website is kristenbeal.com and that's where you can watch a video of me talking about my accident a little bit you can read an excerpt you can buy a book whatever you can also buy my books on amazon perfect well i have three questions that i always like to ask my guests so first of all how do you personally define art or what is art to you ooh so i define art as an outlet because that's what it is to me it started as an outlet and so now it's turning into an outlet for me when I got hurt and all this stuff. And now it's an outlet for my creativity and for my humor and for my personality. Whereas before it was an outlet for my frustration. I mean, at times it still is an outlet for my frustration, but an outlet for my frustration and my new experiences and kind of digesting the world around me. So it looks like, for me, it looks like, you know, real life experiences or relatable things or just things that will make you laugh or things. It's a way to entertain people. Yeah. So an outlet for yeah. my creativity. Yeah. I love that. Okay. And then what do you think is the most important role of an artist? Hmm. Most important role to entertain and not to entertain others where that is a big plus, but to entertain yourself, to keep yourself happy to stay while you're doing it for it to be a good, you know, way to keep yourself happy. And, you know, it's a major plus if it can bring happiness to other people too. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And then my final question, and I'll define my terms a little bit, but do you think that art should be inclusive or exclusive? And inclusive referring to an artist who puts their work out there and provides some context behind it, whether it's the inspiration or title or program notes, something just so that we kind of know what the artist was thinking versus an artist who puts their work out there and doesn't provide the context behind it. So it's left entirely up to the viewer to determine what they will. I like the idea of an exclusive, um, not putting context into it because it allows people to have their own experience with your art and interpret it based off of, you know, things in their life and make it personal to them on their own terms instead of someone, you know, they're both right ways, but instead of someone forcing you and saying, this is how you should take in this art, but saying, you know, do what you will with it, just putting it out here. Yeah, absolutely. Makes complete sense. <laughs> well, thank you so very much, so much for being here today, Kristen. Your story is just incredibly inspiring and humorous, and I cannot wait to 
well, the humorous part being all your dating stories. I mean, don't get me wrong. But I just love, <laughs> I just loved what you were sharing with us. And I cannot wait to read those books. And I highly encourage anyone listening to this episode to do so too and follow Kristen on Instagram and all the different ways that she's doing that. Go, if you can, support her endeavor with the TV show and and all those things. So seriously, Kristen, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. It was so much fun. Thank you. (laughs) Of course. And thank you to everyone who's listened to this episode. And if you're feeling as inspired as I am, I would love if you would share this with a friend or two. And we will catch you next time. If you have a story to share with us, we would love that so much. And I hope your day has been Artfully Told. Hey, Artfully Told listeners, Lindsay here. And I just want to share with you a little bit more about the Speak Easy method. Now, if you've had a chance to listen to Greg Gonzalez's interview on Artfully Told, you're already a little familiar with the process that is so unique and so cool. That is the speakeasy method. It is for people who are ready to write their books, but maybe aren't super confident about their own writing ability or just want a more streamlined way of doing it. Greg and his team at Speakeasy are experts at these amazing questions that help your authentic voice to shine through. So what they do is they go through recorded audio interviews with you, and these recordings are then transcribed and put into manuscript format, ready to go. So what's cool about that is instead of months and months or years and years of you writing a book they will actually take you from concept to published, and it can be as little as nine months. That is one of the most recent success stories that they have accomplished, and it is just a really innovative method that I am personally so excited to help represent and help share the word about because what Greg and his team are doing is absolutely life-changing for prospective authors. And I highly encourage you to book a discovery call with Greg or another member of his team to learn more and see if this could be the perfect fit for you. It's 100% complimentary and you can do so easily by going to his website and that's www.joyfulliving.com slash speakeasy. And again, that spelled out is J-O-Y- dash f u l living dot com slash speakeasy.